Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today, Walt Thiessen and Joel Elston here. November 26, 2015. And we've got something really excited this week. I can't tell you how excited I am. Because I have a new co-host again. Hooray! Joel Elston, who has been a guest numerous times on the program, has agreed to become my ongoing co-host. Joel, I'm thrilled. This is great. Walt, it's such an honor to do this. Every time we've spoken in the past, I have felt a connection with you and the fact that I've been given this opportunity uh, to share the law of attraction, our experiences, I'm, I'm equally as excited. This is outstanding news for me. This is going to be so much fun. There's no doubt about it. So let's get right to it. Um, now, I asked you to come up with a topic for this week's show, and you came up with a very interesting one. Essentially, it's the topic of how we get stuck in our comfort zones, which is very, very poignant for anyone who's trying to practice applying the law of attraction in their lives, or indeed just practice getting themselves into a more positive space. And I know it's something you run into regularly because you have your, your therapy practice, so I'm sure you see it every day. But anyone listening to the program, I'm, I'm sure, can identify with, with just that particular experience. Well, one of the things that it just it seems to me that sometimes that the law of attraction and our comfort zones are actually – they're they're running at an oppositional force as, as far as the law of attraction and, and what we're trying to see because our comfort zone, in a sense, has us really saying to the universe, "This is what I'm seeking." But often our comfort zone is where we get stuck. And I deal with so many of my clients that want so much more, and they're saying that the law of attraction is not working on my behalf. But yet I, I find that they are unwilling to step out of their comfort zone. And I, I think the concept is when, when people are sometimes forced out of their comfort zones and apply the law of attraction, it becomes such an amazing uh, turning point in their life. And, and, and I've, I have had a couple of examples recently where people have lost their jobs, and, which was their comfort zone. They didn't necessarily love their jobs, but they were – paying the mortgage, and they were, they were making everything meet. However, as time went on, they, they didn't like it, and they sort of wanted to leave but couldn't leave. And when they let, got fired or, or their, their position ended, it, it, they were very scared, and their comfort zone had been pulled out from underneath them. But with some work and with some right thinking and, and a, adapting to the, to the law of attraction and how this works, they are far more successful now than they ever were in their previous jobs because their comfort zone is no longer what they're seeking. I don't know if that makes sense, Walt, when I say it, but it, it is an incredible thing that I've observed probably five times in the last year. Oh, I think I observe it almost every day in my own life. I mean, there, there are lots of ways to be stuck in a comfort zone. One way that comes to my mind is, let's say... Um, let, let's say I'm trying to, uh, well, take your, your analogy, use the idea of losing a job. Um, in my case and in your case, we're self-employed. But even there, we're still constantly trying to figure out how we're going to keep that income going, get the, the new clients and so on and so forth. Um, so let's say I'm in a place where I need to bring in more business. I need to attract more business. And I've been in a, 
maybe in a bad state for a while. I mean, the business has been really slow and so forth. And so I've developed in my mind and in my, my neurology, if you will, a, a habitual pattern of believing that it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And then I spend about five minutes focusing on getting myself there, getting myself feeling really good and, and believing it's going to happen. And I, I put out there, I get out the good vibes and so forth. And I say, oh, good, I did it. And then I spend the next five hours feeling bad because, you know, it never really happens for me. That's what I call being stuck in a rut. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly what I've noticed. I had, for you and I had talked, and you, you have been in a part of my life really during an interesting part of my life, a lot of things have happened since we've actually known each other. That's true, yeah. And and I I was working for this company, and I was a director of a a residential treatment center for addiction. And I I had a very good income, and I enjoyed working there. But I really have, for quite a while, have wanted to go into private practice on my own. And I, I was really... Wanting it at the same time, not wanting to leave the safety of the job. And I, I, I would go back and forth and back and forth. And, and I was putting out there that I didn't want to be doing. I love my counseling piece, by the way, but I just didn't like the, the other stuff involved when you have 25 employees and the drama attached to that. And so I, I, I would love to have been in bit private practice by myself. Well, uh, the owner of the company and I had a, a, a very minor disagreement. We're very good friends, but at the time, it, it, it just became apparent it was time to move on. And when I did, I was able to immediately become successful in private practice because now the, the comfort zone of the job had been ripped from me, which was really keeping me from making that next step. And just like you're saying, we may think the thoughts – but until you believe it in your core, until you feel it or you vibrate it or whatever term you want to use, it, it just doesn't work the way it, it, it would be so easy if we could just wish for something or just feel something. But you have to truly believe it for this to become an active process. So once my comfort zone was removed, I had no option in a sense of now I need this to work. It's going to work. I knew it was going to work. And I very quickly became, and I was expecting, I was prepared to go up to a year, but I very quickly became profitable. I even made money in my first year of business, which was which is unusual. It is. But it was a very, it, I, I needed the comfort zone pulled away. And, and putting out to the universe what we're really needing and what, what we really want is sometimes counteracted by our actions. And even though we're thinking it, our actions indicate that we don't want that. And, and when we are sort of forced into a position, that's where some of the most successful people that I know, they were forced into a position where they had no option but to act on that. A you know, college coach lost his job coaching and, and, and was very upset, and, and, and that's not a job you easily can get unless you're one of the really high-end coaches. Mm. But he, what he did through a, you know, a lot of talk, and he always wanted to open up a training camp for high school athletes who are looking to get into college. He now runs, he has like 14 coaches working for him. He has this nationwide network of, of helping high school kids get into college. They come to his camp over the summer. He does training with them. He works on their skills. And he also, a lot of the college that are recruiting the high school kids come to him now looking for kids. So he's developed an incredible business that never would have been developed if he didn't lose his job. 
It probably never would have been developed if he had gotten himself stuck in a rut, so to speak, even after he lost his job, because that's still possible to do. I mean, you can lose your job and get yourself in a place where you you just don't feel good and and you allow yourself to stay there. And sure enough, nothing changes. Exactly. And and that's that's where it's so important. Some of the most work that I'm – some of the most impressive work that I've seen people do in the Law of Attraction have been after losing jobs when they were stuck in ruts – and when they really started, because that's when you really needed to, under, to understand how to use the law of attraction. And when you do, that's when you can really use, no matter what happens in your life, you can use that to, to propel yourself forward, or you can use it as an excuse to remain in the rut. And it, 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 as we have talked in the past, the law of attraction has no emotional attachment to either outcome. It's what you're putting out there, gravity doesn't debate whether you fall into the ground as a good thing or a bad thing. Gravity just exists, just like the law of attraction. If I am wallowing in my self-pity, then that's what the law of attraction is thinking that I'm putting out there. So it will continue to put me in a position where I will wallow in my self-pity. And that, that's, that is one of the hardest things for people to step out of because the self-pity, for example, has sort of an addicting quality to it. When you're when you're down and you're out, and, and, and this is not making fun of anyone. This is certainly understanding this is a real thing for a lot of people. But when you really can, can grasp that I am going to go get this, this is there for me, all I have to do is tune it in, like tuning in my radio and really believe it. The universe has no option but to provide it as long as we take the action steps attached to it. And that that's where I just constantly am and questioning for me, you know, what is my comfort zone? And, and comfort can be a wonderful thing, but when it becomes sort of the goal, it is really working against further progress for the law of attraction because the law of attraction needs, it needs you to want to move forward. It needs your, if, if you're happy where you're at and you're going to continue to stay there, that's, that's fantastic. But understand that that's what you're putting out there, and that's what you're going to get back. That's right. In fact, um, you pointed out how um, the law of attraction is really indifferent to uh, any kind of emotional uh, evaluation of what you're putting out there. It simply reacts the way the law of gravity reacts. It just it is. It just is what it is. But um, because the law of attraction is truly about attracting what you're putting out there, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your vibration is, you can actually put out there stuff that makes you worse off. In fact, people often do that and don't realize it and then, you know, blame somebody else. And, and I know from personal experience because I've done that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, when I went through my addictive uh, process, when, when I'm a recovering compulsive gambler for those that haven't heard my story. And I, I in my addiction, I became very good at using the law of attraction in the way that you're talking about. I was anticipating the negative i and i certainly fulfilled that each time i and it becomes such it becomes such a train doesn't it i mean it I anticipate it and it shows up and there it is so i anticipate it's going to get even worse and it does and, and, and i <laughs> i have i have uh, so many examples but but one comes to mind and, and I, I i i don't know why this one sticks to my mind but i was i was trying to pull myself out of a a, a big funk many years ago and i had one pair of dress pants and I'd, I'd wash them, and I, I didn't want to dry them because they were a little tight, and I, I didn't want to make them shrink. So I hung them up in, in, in my bathroom. 
and this is the, one of the oddest things that I, I, I'm relating to the law of attraction. So the next morning, I'd gotten out of the shower, removed them, then I hung them back over the shower. And as I was reaching up to grab the pants, I, I just had this thought, I like, oh, I don't need to drop those pants in the shower. Because I was about to go to this job interview, was, it was the point. And, and, and Walt, it's almost like I just had said, let's throw those pants in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounded pretty much like that to me. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and instantly, it, it, they fell to the shower, and, and here I am trying desperately to wash them, and I had to dry them really quick. And, and it, it started off a, a chain of events for me that I, I, I felt that I was cursed. I really did. I thought, wow, this is, I'm just destined. Oh, I, I used to think that there was actually some hidden forces out to get me. Yes. I, I used to believe that, I, and, and I couldn't understand why it was that they were picking on me. <laughs> well, in, 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 that, in, in some sense, I, I tell people, I've heard people say that I feel I'm cursed. I go, well, you are, but not in the way that you think. You're cursed because you believe you're cursed, and that's mm. what you're putting out there. Yep. It, it's, it's everything, it, your perspective is as... I, my clients always tire of the word perspective with me, but that is such a <laughs> that is such an important factor in in everything that we do. What you're in control of your perspective, and when you learn that, and when you learn that you get to dictate what your reality is through controlling your perspective, it changes everything. It still doesn't mean that it's easy. I will still I find myself finding having negative thoughts. And, and almost attracting the opposite, and, and it, it randomly, and it's just—it's. I don't know if it's a human condition, or what our society has has just ingrained in us for many years. But I, I've, I've become good at quickly stopping them and turning them. As I've mentioned before, I turn everything into a state of gratitude. Gratitude is to me the most effective way to put the positive out in the universe. No matter what I'm dealing with, I've, I've always figured out a way to be grateful. Uh, even even in in severe situations where, uh, you know, as unfortunately a, a little over a year ago, as you know, I lost my son TJ in a car accident, and this was a very difficult time. But I was able to use the law of attraction in my grieving process, and my focus became how grateful I was for having TJ in my life for the period of time that I had TJ in my life, and that was an incredible. It helped me heal so so well, and I and I smile when I even say that to this day because I think of all these hilarious stories that come to mind when I think of my son TJ, and that was something that I had to be instead of the mourning the loss, which I certainly miss my child as sure, you know, of course, but instead of focusing on that, I focus on the extreme joy he brought to my life, and that that actually. It brings back these incredibly funny times we had together where we laughed, and I got to see this young man change and grow in a way that just was phenomenal. So that's what I, I remember. So I, it's a very positive aspect. And the law of attraction, it gives you this ability to, to sort of paint the life, your life, even going backwards by adjusting your perspective of what has happened in the past and even fixing traumas in some way because you learn to to change your perspective or your view of that. And and most of us have, I have found that most of us will find most events in our life, no matter how bad they were, ended up being something that was minimally a learning experience if it wasn't something that was positive in the end. 
and that realization is when you you're, you're like things are going to happen and how i respond to them is my it is really the answer to the universe's question and by responding by tuning into what i want and and allowing that to happen and that's where the comfort zone can invade on everything where I really am more worried about my comfort than really getting what I want because I'm, I'm afraid to step out of my comfort zone because I might not, or somebody might say no, or this might turn out, I might fail. And my comfort zone is a guaranteed, it's a small area, but it's where I'm comfortable and I feel safe. When in reality, we weren't intended for that. Our souls and our we weren't put on the planet just to be safe and, and live within a small circle. And we're supposed to get out there and achieve and, and move forward. And the universe, again, doesn't care whether we do it or not. It's what we put out there. It's, it's, it's going to immediately respond to whichever way we're doing it. That's true. In a sense, we're, we're expected to be the otters of the universe. That that's the way we're designed to be. But we often choose to be the hermit crabs instead. Um, but you mentioned the idea of, of where all this comes from, why it is that we, we get so stuck in all this, why we end up in our comfort zones and seem to have so much trouble climbing out of them, even when we're aware of the issue. I, I, I know that we, we do have a neurological side of this. I mean, that, that much has been established by medical science, which is that um, when you essentially grow the nervous system, when you, when you literally grow the nerve cells, they grow to fill paths in such a way that they they encourage the replication of experiences. So if you if you're growing your your nerve pathways in a way that gives yourself the habitual pattern of looking outside and seeing gray clouds all the time, even when it's sunny, lo and behold, every time you look outside, you're going to see gray clouds because that's what you, you're building your nervous system to do. On the other hand, if you build your nervous system to always see a sunny sky, even when it's gray clouds out there, you can actually get to the point where you see the, the, the blue sky. I, I've actually learned to do that. On days where it's practically you know thunderstorming, I can look in the sky, find one little bit of blue, and imagine myself, you know what? The whole sky is like that. Wow, yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, have, I have experiences where I have learned, just like you're saying, I, I, on rainy days, it's funny you mentioned that, I have come to really enjoy rainy days. I I, I get. I, I, I can't it, say I've gotten that good at it, but <laughs> that's well, a good place to be. Well, it, it is because I have found they're really my most productive work days. When I I, I deal with uh, attention deficit disorder, and I, I I actually have turned that into again another positive in my life. But one of the times that I'm most effective is okay. There's nothing else to do. Sit down and do your paperwork. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. So, you know, and, and for me, my paperwork generally means getting paid, so it's a good thing. So sure. I equate rainy days with basically writing my paycheck. So it, it's turned into, again, a, a something that that I enjoy. And, and I've been in Virginia. We've had an exceptionally rainy year. And, uh, and, and so I've certainly had a lot of days to appreciate the rainy days. But it, it isn't a situation where... I am looking at it, it. Great things are happening on rainy days. Great things are happening on 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 sunny days. And when you get to the point of being able to filter, just like you're saying, and and not getting stuck in the same redundant, you know, anticipation of not necessarily the gray skies, but what the gray skies represent is what really is the problem. Right. It's. You know that becomes a, a force driving us. It's what the gray skies represent to a lot of people, and, and and all that is that we have the ability to adjust 
our perspective on all of that stuff. And our history is what we often keeps us in our comfort zone versus, well, I've tried stuff in the past and failed, and it was very uncomfortable to fail. And you, you, I'll often hear, it's quoted, and I, I don't know the numbers, but Michael Jordan has a quote where he says, I took the last shot in a game that could have won, you know, say a thousand times, and I missed it. I failed a thousand times. Well, then, but I took, I also took that same shot and made it 3,000 times, or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. He, he is setting an example, he, he, you know, in, in a sense, I failed my way to success. And when you can, when we can look at it from that perspective and not take it personally and retreat to the comfort zone by accepting failure as part of success instead of the opposite of success. Again, that's all within the law of attraction. It's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I can think of two, two or three sports analogies along those lines. One is that uh, this, this is something I just saw recently just by pure coincidence. Well, is there such a thing? But, <laughs> but uh, I, I, saw, I was reading about uh, the NBA, and it turns out that in the NBA, the statistics for shooters in the last minute sh- trying to shoot a game-winning shot, they hit it 35% of the time. They fail 65% of the time. And these are the pros. Right. That, that's an interesting statistic because it basically says they fail more often than they succeed. But when you, when you look at SportsCenter, and the lead story is when that guy takes the shot and there's zero seconds left and it goes in and he wins. And, and so that's what gets filtered. We still view that's that right. as victory. Yeah, well, yeah. And it is. It is a it victory. Is. And, and, and that's the key to our life is, is understanding if, if you know, let's use that same number, say if 35% of the time we're going to be successful, we can either choose to focus on the strength of the success or the misery of the defeat. And, and, and to carry on the, the analogy to a second sports analogy, baseball. Getting on base, hitting the ball 35% of the time makes you a, a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I mean, that's really what it is. That's a 350 batting average. That's considered <laughs> cream of the crop. And even the 350 batting average fails 65% of the time. And, the pe- and, and people I, batting 200, they fail 80% of the time. Right. And, and I think the concepts of, of is what our definition of, of, of success and failure is. And that, that goes right along with our topic today of what is, what is your comfort zone? When I, one of the things that I ask people to do is, is explain to me your comfort zone. What are you seeking, number one? Where are you at? And, and how is your goals? Are your goals in tune with where you're at in your comfort zone? If you're, like I have one, one young man that, that wants to, uh, he's a, a registered nurse. He wants to become a nurse practitioner. Well, he doesn't have the money to take off and go to school, so he, it would mean he would have to continue to work and basically learn to be a doctor, which is a very, nurse practitioners have an incredible curriculum they have to go through, just like a doctor. Oh, sure. And it would probably mean 75-hour work weeks for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I, I, I want to do it, but I don't want to put in the time. And I go, so you don't want to do it. Yes, <laughs> and that's the real truth there, isn't it? Yes, and, and, and that, that's, the, that's the concept. But I also know a single mom in a similar position who wanted to become a registered nurse who was working at Amazon during the day. She lived with her parents. She has a... a, a I don't remember if it was a boy or girl, but a two-year-old. And she was putting in 45 hours a week at Amazon, 
and 36 hours a week at school plus studying and waiting tables Sunday morning. Mm. Yeah, she wanted it big time. She wanted it big time, and not only did she graduate as a registered nurse, she was top of her class and got an incredible job at John Hopkins. And this is a concept that, that she, and she doesn't view it as suffering. She actually remembers the work as, I'm, I'm achieving a goal, and, and she's actually, I've had her speak at a couple of my, uh, when I do speaking engagements, she has spoken about what she went through and how we worked together to adjust her perspective during this time of what her goals were and how that helped, how she used the law of attraction, not only to achieve the goals, but to remind herself of this isn't going to be forever. And, and the idea, and most people say, well, weren't you exhausted? She goes, shockingly not. I, I really convinced myself that this was such a, I'm able to do it. I, this is such a worthy goal. I'm so excited about doing it. She turned it into something that she doesn't, most people would say, oh, I can't believe I made it through that. She's like, I could probably do that again. She's very, you know, just, this was something she was very impressed with. That it was not a rough time for her because her attitude convinced her that it wasn't a rough time and she was able to do this. Now, again, her parents were very helpful. They, she, they watched the child. There's a lot of factors at work, and she's not claiming she did this solely on her own, but her perspective during the time was so amazing that she views it as a very positive time of, in her life. And that was working you know, three years of, of 70 to 80 hours a week. And, and there had to be parts of that that she was enjoying. Absolutely. Because if you aren't enjoying it, you're not going to maintain the focus. You're not going to maintain the perspective that you describe. You're going to lose that because if you aren't enjoying it, it, it becomes like, you know, going to the dentist every day. Well, and, and Walt, that, that is such a, a, an incredible point because it, it, we get to choose which perspective we're, we're going to have today. And if, I, if my, one of the, the inner dialogue that, that we have with ourselves really is what is where our perspective sort of comes from. And we're in control of that inner dialogue, by the way. And if, if I wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I have to go to work today. Well, today is, yes, you do. You have to go to work. That, that's going to be your mentality today. Whereas when I get up and go, I get to get up and go to work today, and I'm excited about getting up and going to work today, that's an entirely different work day. And, and that is something that I, I, I found myself, uh, uh, I did a Facebook post on this recently. I had a client that uh, was having a really difficult time, and he was leaving, and he asked me, can I meet with him at 5 o'clock in the morning? Well, at 3.45, when my alarm went off that morning, I was like, oh, no. I, 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 my attitude, my, my perspective immediately was like, oh, I have to get up and go meet this guy. And before I would put my feet on the ground, I go, no, I'm doing a job I am passionate about. I love. I make a great living for me and my family, and I get to help other people. What is better than that? The fact that I want to get up, I'm in great physical shape. I, I can handle it. And if I want to come back and take a nap, I can. I didn't need to, but I could have. And I changed my perspective before I would put my feet on the ground because if it became a chore, or then, then that, that would set the whole tone for the day. We get to dictate. I, I know one of the things that I've always asked people to do when I, when I was in 
charge of a group of people. I asked people to write their job description and tell me why their job was the most important job in the company. And they, they, a lot of times they would have a hard time with that, but a, one of the best ones I've ever seen written when I was in charge of a treatment center, this uh, a young lady was our chef, and she did an incredible job. And she wrote this, her job description, which was a very accurate job description, and she said, if my clients, she, she used the words, my clients, are not properly nourished, they can't get the help they need, they can't help their brains heal, they can't move on from addiction, so my job is the most important job in the building to feed and nourish the clients so they have the wherewithal to have recovery. And I thought that was so amazing that she wrote that. Yeah, it takes quite a lot to be able to write that. You have to develop a, a sense of honesty that goes beyond what you're feeling. Um, exactly. I think we also have to recognize, and you touched on it for a moment there, which is that so many people do struggle with that exercise. And I think it's it's fair to say there are some people who just they just don't like anything about their job. And I can say that because I've felt that way in the past. There have been things where I mean, even even relatively recently, the the, the stuff that I was doing self employed, I didn't enjoy it anymore. I was getting tired of it, and I needed to move on. Well, just because you need to change your perspective doesn't mean you have to love something that you absolutely don't love anymore. You can absolutely. also change your mind. You can change your mind and start focusing on something else. You aren't locked into it. It's not like you're going to be a nurse practitioner forever. Better get used to it, buddy. <laughs> that is exact. That is such a clear point that needs to be made with with, with everyone. This isn't about. It, this isn't about putting ourselves in a position where. You know, there, there's jobs that are miserable. I've, I've had some horrible jobs over my lifetime. There's nothing that would have changed those in, in my perspective. But while they're going on, there are ways to do it until I can make that change. This job is providing me with the ability to pay my rent. This job is, it has positive attached to it. There's things that I'm doing that I don't like about it. But, but how, how the universe is picking up on what we're thinking and where our focus is. And, if moving on is more than just simply say, I'm going to move on, there needs to be action steps taken. And if you get stuck in a job, and, and, I, and this is what you're saying, don't do, we don't get stuck in jobs where you think this is the only thing I can do. And then that's when, that's when a life becomes so incredibly miserable Absolutely. and everything just seems to be crashing down on you. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly how it happens. In fact, uh, I, that hasn't been recent experience for me, but what has been a recent experience for me is what I've been doing for a living for the last few years just wasn't fulfilling anymore. It wasn't bringing in much money. It wasn't really doing very well, and I needed to change. I needed to shift. I needed to get out of that comfort zone, as you're talking about. Um, and what ended up happening, it almost happened by chance. It didn't really because, obviously, I went through thought patterns, patterns that led me to this place. But this past summer, I reached a point where I said to myself, you know what? What I'm doing isn't working. What I've been doing for a living, I mean, isn't working, and I'm not enjoying it anymore. And I know I've known that for a while. What what can I do to to shift that? What can I do to to put that into a different place? And I just started exploring some stuff mentally, online, and so forth, and came to a realization that there's one aspect of what I do that I had never really looked at before. Now, j just to give you a quick overview, for the last uh, oh, what is it now? 
15 years or so, I've been working full-time doing web work, you know, creating websites for businesses and doing marketing and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there's certainly quite a bit of fulfillment in there, but it's also become a very competitive industry and very difficult to get work in. So it's become difficult and, and you know, clients can be tiring and all that has sort of turned into this great big snowball that gets worse and worse. But one thing that has kind of been in the background that I never paid much attention to is something that, well, I figured it was going to get solved by somebody out there anyway, because there are so many technical types out there who know how to solve these technical problems. And that problem is the problem of email spam. You know, and we all deal with it. We all see it. We all have, you know, varying degrees have to face, you know, going through the emails on a daily or weekly basis, depending on how much volume of email we get, trying to figure out what to do about the, the junk ones we don't want or, or the false positives that ended up in the junk folder that's really that golden letter from mom or whatever. But uh, it, it's an ongoing problem. And as I began to think about it, I said, why is it that after, let's see, the Internet's been around since 91, 92. So call it no, 20, 25 years, something like that. Why is it after all this time we still haven't licked email spam? I mean, you would think we would have gotten it by now, right? Right, exactly. But we hadn't done that. I, I couldn't understand that. And, and so I started to do the research. Now, I've got the technical background to do this, so I started to do the research to find out what's been going on. And what I learned was kind of fascinating. I learned that the overall thrust of all anti-spam methods comes down to the computer trying to figure out what we consider to be spam. And as soon as I made that a conscious thought, I said to myself, you know what, that's a flawed concept. Because spam, by definition, is an email we don't want, and non-spam is an email we do want. Problem there is that everybody has different preferences. I mean, I think we can all agree we don't want the Viagra emails. Right. But right. let's say we signed up for a mailing list, right? And the mailing list, because we're into tennis, and the mailing list is about tennis. And we used to love the mailing list, but now it's gotten really dull. At what point did it become spam? Well, that point is going to be different for every single subscriber on that list. At one point, it was desired email. At the next point, it was spam. And asking a computer to figure out where that point is is ridiculous. It's it, an it emotional was, preference. It's absolutely. not something a computer can analyze. Absolutely. And it certainly can't anticipate it. And I dug further, and I found, well, who's the most successful anti-spam fighter out there? Turns out it's Google with their Gmail. Well, what did Google do? Well, they did basically the same thing, but they added a component. They have this huge audience, not audience, this huge, this huge pool of Gmail users. And one of the things you can do in Gmail, like with most uh, email programs that have an anti-spam feature, is you can kind of train it. You can you know, mark stuff as spam, put it into the spam folder, or pull stuff out of the spam folder, put it into your inbox. And that pattern over time helps the computer decide which is likely to be spam and which is likely to be a, a legitimate email. Well, because they had that huge pool of data, they went a step further. They took advantage of the fact that they could watch what was going on in the inboxes of millions of users and when they saw a pattern with, you know, this email was always being put in the junk folder, they said, ah, that one's always spam. We're always going to put it in the junk folder. In other words, they developed a community standardization of what constitutes spam. And it's a very successful approach. It's not 100% successful, but it does better than almost any other system out there in terms of keeping spam out of your, your inbox. Problem is, it's not 100% successful. And because it's not 100% successful, Gmail users still have to go through their junk folder trying to find the, the stuff that's legitimate, and they still occasionally get stuff in their inbox that they don't want to be there. It's just that it's less than what everybody else has to put up with. So even that wasn't successful. And if you think about it, again, it's the same problem. 
once again, it's a community trying to decide for us what we like and what we don't like, whereas it's about individual preferences. So really, it has to be the individual deciding what they like and what they don't like. Well, and, and, that, that, and there's a 15 different analogies that come off of that. Well, that's an amazing description because I've, I've often – it's funny you mentioned that because I just happened the other day to look at my, my uh, spam account in, on Gmail – and I realized, I'm like, well, several of these, just like you're talking about, those newsletters that were relevant six months ago, I guess I've deleted them or just without reading them. And so now they're in my spam folder. Just it, it, it's Google picked up on that. Right, exactly. And, and so that, 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 that brings an interest. I was like, well, how did it know then? <laughs> but that's just what you're saying. And the preferences do change. And, and I think that sort of applies, you know, with us when we're, as we, mature and as our life goes forward our preferences are going to change our, the law of attraction can will and that's why it's it's constantly looking we change so what we're we're manifesting or bringing about or what we're wanting it's always in flux and and again the law of attraction isn't emotionally attached it doesn't really care it just says this is what you're you're bringing about and that is the piece that when we can, when you perfect, and I don't know anybody that has perfected it all the way, but when, when you can get to a point for the most part to put out to the universe what you really want, not what you don't want. You know, the, the idea that worrying, when we worry, you're literally attracting what you're worrying about. It, I've heard it said that worrying is like praying for what you don't want. And, that, that in a lot of ways is true. Worry is, is one of the best ways to bring about what you don't want because you're, you're literally putting that out there as your main focus. And again, the law of attraction is, isn't seeing the emotion of worry attached to it. It's, and it doesn't see the word don't let this happen. It just sees this is what this, this spirit is thinking about or vibrating. That's what it's, we're going to fulfill. That, that, that's exactly it. And, and of course, I, I was telling you this story because I wanted to also illustrate how the whole question of comfort zone comes into it. Because notice before, the comfort zone I was in was basically a downer one. It wasn't taking me anywhere. The income was down. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And then I started exploring this other thing. And now my whole attitude changed. I mean, you could hear it in the way I was telling the story. I was yeah. getting excited about, oh, wow, this is really interesting to me. And the more that I've explored it, I've actually gotten to the point now, believe it or not, Joel, I've gotten to the point where I believe I can eliminate email spam. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> that, that well, and, 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 and that is, well, and, and that's how discoveries are made. And because that's where your, your, your focus, your, that's where you're placing your focus, you're excited about it, and you will make that successful. You will make that, it, it will be huge, because now you understand that. And even there, I still had to shift my comfort zone because my comfort zone said, well, you don't really have the resources or the time or money to pour into developing this thing. And I had to push myself to say, you know what? I enjoy this. I think this is cool stuff. So, yeah, even if it's a little bit painful, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, I got to take myself out of that comfort zone. I got to put myself into it. And so I actually ended up hiring a couple of programmers from India to work on this project with me. And we're literally, you know, weeks or days away from actually achieving the goal which is really cool. And, but you and, have to take yourself out of the comfort zone in order to get there. Well, and, and you know, the, the, the most dangerous place for me is a comfort zone. That, that's where I, I comfort, and, and, and a lot of times pain, too. Pain is overblown, and comfort is over-exaggerated on both sides. And what I mean by that is 
comfort is is something that's sold to us as that's very important. It's, it's, it's sold to us. Doing. We sell it to ourselves. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, that's what I mean. We're selling it to ourselves. Yeah. When in pain, it actually pain is a very motivating factor for a lot of people to to move forward in pain on many different levels. Whereas comfort is actually encouraging encouraging us to not do anything. It's to look. Okay, let's don't cause any trouble. Let's just sit here. And, and accept what we have. Whereas, don't rock as, the boat, right? <laughs> yeah, don't rock the boat, exactly. And, and that's, that's why you hear so many success stories. You, you, very few people are, you hear stories like, yes, I went to my job at the, at the accounting firm for 20 straight years, and then I made a discovery in accounting software. That's not a story you hear often. Mm-hmm. You often hear the story, I was in accounting for 20 years, they they fired me because they didn't need my position anymore, and I went and created the best accounting software on the planet, and made millions of dollars. You hear that story, right? Because it, it the comfort zone was removed in action. You, you know, began. I, I wrote my book, The Bench, and this book has been. I have been writing this book for about nine years, and things kept happening that I kept adding to the book. And while I was working at my previous job, I had tried to get it published, but yet I couldn't finish it. It just wouldn't finish, and and there was a lot of reasons for that. And when it, it was when I was finally able to remove myself from the comfort zone of the job, and then a, a few other chain of events happened, and it became apparent it's time to finish the book. And I have finished the book. It's been very successful, and that piece never would have happened if I would have continued in my comfort zone, just like you're talking about. And in fact, from what you've told me so far, now we haven't talked much about the book other than a conversation we had um, a few weeks ago when I interviewed you and also an offline conversation that we had, but we haven't really talked much about it. Um, one of the most fascinating things about what you've told me so far is that you've had an experience with your book that most authors don't have. Whether they're authors published by somebody else or self-published, most authors don't find that their books start selling immediately. Most of them find that, uh, well, most of them forget that they even have to publicize it. And even among the few who do try to publicize it, they find that you know it, it sells in dribs and drabs. You didn't experience that. You experienced the exception. Talk about the exception for a second. It, yeah, I, I really was. You know, I've heard all the stories about when you write a book and you, the things that happen, and I'm an unknown author, so it, the sales are not going to be great. Well, I was I was shocked. My publisher was shocked uh, at that, mainly through just some friends on, on Facebook. My, my book quickly went to Amazon's new releases bestseller in my category within two days, which is unheard of. That's phenomenal. It, yeah, and, and I, while I don't have any numbers yet, it takes them quite a while for them to add up where all the books are sold. Sure. Uh, my publisher's website, Balboa Press, I am the number one and the number two bestseller right now on my publisher. That's my paperback and my hardcover book for my publisher. Wow. And 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 this, please don't hear arrogance in this or bragging in this. I find, I'm, I'm I, <laughs> I hear astonishment. <laughs> I, in, in 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 reality, it's it's. My former clients, it's Facebook, it's uh, uh, just some word of mouth, but it's getting a lot of word of mouth. People that are, re- I've, I've received probably 20 emails from people across the country. I have no idea who they are. They read my book. They were inspired by my book. They're recommending my book. 
And and these are things that never would have taken place if I would have just remained constantly in my comfort zone. I have... That, by the way, i got to interrupt. That one fact that you just shared, the fact that you've gotten 20 emails from people you know nothing about, that, I don't know if I can express how unheard of that is for most authors. That That's a tremendous experience. In the in the short time, let's see, the book got released when? It was like a month ago? About the 27th of October, yes. Yeah, okay, so less than a month ago. And in that time already, you've heard from 20 people you haven't ever heard of before who read your book. That I, I don't know if I can express just how rare that is. And, and you're about to tell us why it happened, but I, I got to touch on that for a moment because th- literally that happens maybe one out of a thousand cases. It's that rare thing. So, so tell us, how did that happen? Well, and, 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 and I, wish I, I wish I had a formula that I could I write. Yeah, right. About it, make <laughs> you it. just bottle it up, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but the truth, I, I, I know I have felt for a long time that, that I know this book is going to be successful. I... I know it's going to be, and again, that's not an arrogant statement as much as it is a confident statement. I'm using the law of attraction in, in the sense that I feel this is a message, because mixed in this message, it is a story of my life, and it has some, some recommendations for people that may be dealing with addiction, but also the law of attraction has a big focus in my book, and how the law of attraction is where was a big turning point in my recovery. And I'm, I never claim to be the only person because you, you never know what everybody's doing. But I have found that the law of attraction, implementing that within my addiction treatment, has been an incredible tool for people in recovery. And when I hear from 20 people, all these emails were either from parents or active addicts that are like, you made me think of something in a way that I've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And instead of the traditional... You know, you literally can go to a 12-step meeting, and they, 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 there are rooms that you're powerless. You have no power. You, you, you must. And it's very for a lot of people, it's a very negative first meeting. When in reality, we are certainly powerless over our addiction. But I believe we have power in our recovery, and finding that point of power in our addiction is where I focus my energy on. That that is where the energy needs to be placed. And for somebody who's new in recovery, telling them they don't have power almost makes their situation hopeless. And distinguishing between you don't have power in your addiction. When I my my addiction was gambling. When I'm gambling, I certainly had no power. I, I was a crazy man when I gambled. But in recovery, I found all the power I needed, and and I was in control of all the stuff. Not of my gambling, but I was in control of my recovery. And there's a big difference between the two, Walt. And Hearing people that have never really gotten it or hearing from parents that said, this opened my eyes, I now know how to help my kid. Or uh, When I wrote the book, I was like, I hope it helps one person. That's what I'm, my true goal was. I hope somebody who's struggling, uh, it, it, is, it is incredible. And that's a good goal. It, it, it is. And, and, and to me, that goal is, is part of what when we do stuff of – I want to make a difference. I, I want my son and his life to make a difference. And people that read my book will hear how that's happened. I mean, TJ and I have a, a connection that goes way beyond, you know, you know obviously the law of attractions work and, and mine and my son's connection. And it's, it's played out clearly in the book. And I want my goal, as I said, I want my book to affect people in a positive manner 
and to receive these emails, that was just an amazing thing for me. So I I, I am excited, and, and I, I probably, I'm probably going to write another book at some point and with more of a focus on the law of attraction and, and life in general because that's I think when people hear it, they love it. I think you've actually understated it here, if that's at all possible, but um, you described how you you put this message out there to a community that is used to the idea of powerlessness. I mean, it's it's hard to understate just how pervasive that is in the therapy community. You, like you say, you go to an AA meeting or any other kind of 12-step meeting, and it always starts off with, uh, you are powerless over your addiction. That's going to put you in a bad place no matter how you slice it. Now you're now here you come along saying, well, you don't have to feel powerless in your recovery. You can actually feel powerful in your recovery. And that flies in the face of what most of the industry is teaching. So you very much had to get out of your comfort zone in order to put that message out there. And yet you were able to do it, like you said, primarily because of your own experiences, but also because you weren't going to let yourself be stopped by the idea that that's the way the rest of the industry thinks. And, and that, that helps so much when, when you have that, I, I know what I'm saying is going to resonate. The reason that four out of a hundred people that walk into an AA room, or let's let me look at it the other way, only four out of a hundred people that walk into an AA room are clean a year later. 96% of the people fail. Now, I am not bashing 12-step rooms, but I am saying when you have a 96% failure rate, we have to look at what's being done wrong. And when you tell a 21-year-old that walks in the room, you're powerless, and those are the words you say, there's not a 21-year-old in the world that thinks they're powerless. <laughs> they're not going to buy that. <laughs> they're true. immortal. So, so the concept of, yes, when you drink or when you gamble, you, you, within that context, certainly, but in your recovery, you have great power, and you have an incredible source of power in the law of attraction. And, and I often use the statement almost every time when I sit down with a new client, I, I ask the question, I make the statement, then I ask the question, I will not die today, factually, by falling in the Grand Canyon. And then I ask the client, why? And the client always, almost always says, well, you're not at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and, and, and I said, exactly. I have power over not, of not dying in the Grand Canyon by not putting myself on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And it seems so silly of an analogy, but in my addiction, I have that same ability by not putting myself on the edge or in my life or putting myself in the same situation over and over and expecting different results. So this, right. this is this the, the way to not fall into the Grand Canyon, especially if you're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, is to turn around and walk in the other direction. Exactly, and and that sounds so simple, but in our addiction, you'll be shocked at the number of people that say, "Okay, my life, I've, my life's been destroyed. I'm going to turn everything around, but yet I'm going to go live in the exact set of circumstances and change nothing, except I'm not going to drink." It's kind of an odd thing. We call that a comfort zone. It's actually a rather uncomfortable zone. <laughs> Well, well, and that, that's the point. Well, the comfort zone has a, a – the, the, the name lends to, well, that's a good thing. But in reality, that comfort zone for most people is not a healthy place. And that, that's, where we, that's where we often will have people fall apart in their comfort zone 
while still seeking their comfort zone, it keeps them from moving on. When you're when you don't have that ability to step out of the comfort zone and make the changes you make need to make, then you get stuck, and that's where so many people say, I hear probably twice a week, well, the law of attraction is not working for me. And I'm like, well, it's working exactly right, but it's not working for you, you're right, but it is working. <laughs> it's working against you because that's what you made it do. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, you're, you're going to make all these changes, but yet you're living in the, the exact same manner you were always living in. And that, this has been such a... Uh, a, a round. And again, I knew there's going to be people that are, there's always going to be critics of anything you do. We have a society of, of critics, and I know people that think the law of attraction, and I'm a big believer sort of on the same philosophy of positive psychology, which it, to me is, is right in the same vein as, as, as the law of attraction. Oh, I agree. And, and, you know, and, and with that, that's something that one of our future shows is probably going to actually be on the law of action, which is, a, is the bedfellow of the law of attraction, you know, and, sure. and it, it all goes together, and our comfort zone keeps us, you know, when you get to that comfort zone, it is the debilitating factor. I've often said the most, the worst thing that a person can be on is disability. Being on disability, this is not critical of anyone, but being on disability really puts you in a place that really disables you. Yeah, it's a bad place to be in because you're you're constantly reinforcing the negative side of, of your life by rewarding the negative side of your life. And that's so that that you you see so I I, I hear I, I have again multiple stories of people that have come to me that I have one young man that, that this was an incredible story. He is technically legally blind, but he still could see. Mm -hmm. And he was on disability, and he was getting like $1,200 a month, and he was living in a, in a very low-end situation, very, very bright young man. So what he, did, what he, he came to me, and he said, I'm going to cut off. We, we talked a lot about the law of attraction and, and, and him moving forward. What could he do? And he said, it's... My step, I'm going to just, I'm going to just uh, cut off my disability. I was like, well, now, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't want you to do that because I'm telling you to do that. That's a hard thing to get back. And he goes, no, I, I, I he said, it's debilitating. This disability is debilitating. I, I can work. I want to, well, he started a company that, uh, uh, that is actually training uh, guide dogs and, it, it breeding and, and, and breeding certain kind of guide dogs and, and service animals, medical service animals, and goes into different hospitals. He's developed an incredible company. He's going to make probably $90,000 this year from $1,100 in disability three years ago. And he couldn't do that till he gave up his disability payments. And when he gave up those disability payments, which he called his comfort zone back in the day, by the way, uh, when he went down to social services, they tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> they said, "Well, you, you, you're, you're not going to be able to make this. This is, this, you, you know, this is a safety net for you." And he goes, I, I, that's, "Yes, you're right. It is." <laughs> and he said, "I need to operate without a net here," and has has really turned things around. So that comfort zone, and what we do to people when when we when we sort of reinforce. The, the, the victim mentality by allowing people in a comfort zone to, well, 
I feel sorry for you, so we're going to provide this, it actually affects them in a negative way a long time, for a long time. Well, one thing you're going to find, Joel, as we do these shows, is that the time runs out much faster than we expect. And sure enough, we're actually a little bit past time, so we got to draw it to a close here. But, hey, it's great to have you as my co-host. I can't wait for next week. Me either, Walt. It's such an honor, and I, and I, I look forward to what comes up over the next several months. It's, it's exciting. It is exciting. It's going to be a blast, and, and we hope all our listeners just come along for the ride. So that's it for now. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.